Hey guys, it's Amy and Jordan. Today is Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. Boy, whew, do we wish that we were talking to you right now in a different time, in a different place, and under different circumstances. Unfortunately, we're not. We're coming to you guys at a time where our world, our country, uh, we're in an unprecedented moment. It's something that no one's ever seen before. There's a lot of anxiety and fear and panic and so many feelings that we're all feeling right now. Uncertainty about the future, what's going to happen the next day. With every new development and every new news story, it just feels like the world is getting darker and darker. And what we want to try to do in this episode of the podcast is bring light. What we want to do is try to bring calm and clarity and confidence in a moment of chaos and in a moment of confusion. Uh, what we want to do to start is we want to give you a quick life update on our life and on us and on how we're doing. And the reason for that is we had a, a brand new baby girl about five weeks ago. And a lot of you have been reaching out over the last couple of days specifically, because we've been a little quieter on social media. We've been a little a little bit quieter in general in our life. And a lot of you have been reaching out so kindly and so thoughtfully and so sweetly and asking us, hey, Amy and Jordan, are you okay? I'm worried about you. Which is so sweet, you guys. <laughs> like we, so we haven't much. heard from you. We haven't seen you. And we're just concerned. And so we just wanted to, to jump on and start this episode by letting you know that we are doing okay. We're doing just yeah. fine. Um, to back up for a second, the reason that I say that is about five weeks ago, we were so blessed to welcome our second child into the world, yeah. a daughter, uh, Emily Wakefield Demos. And we'll have a future podcast episode on the story of her birth. Um, hopefully to you guys in the next few weeks or the next few months. Um, but Emily was born at home. Um, it was really kind of a crazy story because with Beckett, our son, uh, two years ago, it was about a 20 hour labor start to finish before Beckett was brought into the world. And we're actually going to do a whole episode on that too, because it is so different than what we just experienced with Emily. Yeah. And Emily was totally different. She shocked us, right? She came a week late <laughs> and start to finish her labor and delivery was only three hours. Um, if you can believe it, we got Beckett out the door into grandma's arms at 10.09 a.m. And by 11.09 a.m., Emily was here. Um, it was a shock to our systems. Yeah, we were under the care of amazing midwives. We had Emily here at home. And we spent the first three weeks of Emily's life really just reveling in her and cherishing her and just living in this sweet baby snuggles and the you know, sweet baby smells. You know that, yeah, that baby smell is just intoxicating, right? So as much as possible, we were just like spending time with her, like snuggled into our necks on our chest, skin to skin, just and, like soaking her up. And really we were just figuring it out how to love her and Beckett and be a family of four. And so we spent the first three weeks of her life um, really just relishing in every single moment and and also uh, figuring out how to love a very active toddler in all of that. Yeah, it was, <laughs> which was a challenge. Yeah, too. And it was one of those crazy things because for the first three weeks, by by the end of that three weeks, we really felt like we had a handle on life. We thought we felt like we had figured out figured out how to love our toddler and love our newborn well. And we, we even had, made it out of the house a few times successfully. Yeah. We were like feeling on top of the world in a lot of ways. We kind of had a structure and a schedule, and everything seemed to be going. Perfect. In fact, a few days before what I'm about to tell you happened, I looked at Amy and said, it's all been going so well. I feel paranoid like I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and drop the other shoe did on about three weeks after Emily was born. We started to notice that she was having difficulty breathing. Um, and what it took, it took kind of the form, I guess, of what it looked like was Emily, especially during the night, Every five or 10 or 15 minutes, she would start to cough really violently. And then the cough would turn into kind of a choking, gagging sound. With a lot of congestion. With congestion. Too. And then the choking and the gagging would turn into her kind of having her mouth open, but not really making any noise. Which if you've ever had a newborn in your house, you know how terrifying that is, right? You're like, I think every parent of every newborn has a, a season of newborn life where they're always like, is the baby breathing? Is the baby okay? There's just like this, you know, they're so tiny and fragile. And so every little noise and everything is a cause for concern. And since we'd been through that with Beckett, we were trying not to overreact and not be alarmist. But at the same time, it was really scaring us. So we ended up contacting our pediatrician and got her looked at. Everything was good. Um, the following day, however, though, we started to notice some of the signs that our pediatrician told us to look for, which was her uh, retraction, meaning she was just struggling so hard to breathe. So we sent her a couple of videos and our pediatrician uh, got on the phone and told us 
we needed to go straight to the emergency room at the children's hospital um, because she was under respiratory distress. Yeah. And that's a crazy, when a doctor calls you and as a, as a, whether you're a new parent or whether it's any of your children and says your three week old is in respiratory distress, you need to go to the children's hospital right now. There is a, a level of kind of primal panic and mm-hmm. fear that happens. And Amy and I, you know, picked up the phone. We got in touch with my mom and my sister. They were both here in about 10 minutes. And I don't even know, they might've been 30 minutes away, but they were here in 10 minutes. <laughs> and within about a 10 minute period of time, we had like packed bags. My mom and sister had rushed through the door. We had quickly said goodbye to Beckett and we were speeding down the freeway to get to the children's hospital. Uh, long story short, after some time in the emergency room at the children's hospital, Emily was tested and tested positive for RSV, which is a respiratory virus that is really common. Almost all children, from what we understand, from zero to two will get RSV at some point. And even a lot of adults get RSV. But the difference is for most adults, RSV is just going to present as a common cold. Whereas children under two and specifically newborns, RSV is a really, really dangerous virus. So it required us to be in the hospital for about four days and Emily needed oxygen uh, in order to, to get to breathe uh, correctly and to breathe enough on her, uh, on her own. And so interestingly enough, over the last few days, as the country has started to shut down and the country, people have started to social distance and self-quarantine, um, a few weeks ago when we were discharged from the hospital, our pediatrician actually ordered us. So long story short, Emily was okay. Uh, it was a, a couple of long sleepless nights in the hospital, but our pediatrician actually ordered us into a quarantine about 10 days ago, because when you have a, a baby as young as Emily, uh, now she's about five weeks old. Uh, when you have a baby that young and they've had RSV, their their airways are so inflamed and their immune system is so compromised. And the airways are still so tiny and small yeah. that the inflammation is a lot more serious than right. it is as they get bigger. Yeah. And, and, and at that point, once you bring them home from the hospital, any virus, not just coronavirus, but any virus um, can can lead lead you right back to the emergency room and Even right back to the hospital cold could be dangerous so we had already um pulled beckett from all like social things you know like the nursery at church or the nursery at the gym or any time that he'd be socializing with other kids we had to pull the plug on that early before the country shut down um so it was just really crazy timing that at the same time this was going on the country was moving in that direction as well and now we're at a place where we're all quarantined, right? We've all social distanced, we've all pulled back. Um, and most of us are in our own homes. And that that feeling is a little scary and unsettling, because there's just never been anything like this in, I mean, as long as we've been alive, but really in our history where yeah. things have been like this. And so we're hoping over the coming weeks and coming months, we will, we can give you a full episode on Emily's birth story. We can give you a full episode on kind of some tips for sur- surviving postpartum life, maybe an episode that kind of describes our experience in the hospital and some things that we learned through that process. Um, but what we really want to do on this episode is share some of our thoughts on what is going on in our country right now with coronavirus, with COVID-19. Um, the reason it's taken us a little while to get back to you guys, and not to get back to you, but to update you um, and to share our thoughts is because we are still in the throes of kind of newborn life. And when we got home from the hospital with Emily, um, she is still technically sick, right? And so she's been working through a process of sleeping better day by day. And so we've been sleeping better day by day. And Fortunately, she's on the mend and is almost back to her normal self before we went to the hospital. But we wanted to wait a little bit to update you because things have been changing so fast. And it feels like every time we turn on the news, there's a brand new piece of information. But what we wanted to speak specifically to, and if you're listening right now, is we wanted to speak specifically to, first, a lot of the fears and the emotions over what's happening right now. I think one of the things, if Amy and I are being completely transparent with you, We've gone through this grieving process that you've probably gone through over the last week or so, where for us, it kind of started as disbelief. It was something that seemed far off in the distance, mm-hmm. something that was never going to reach our shores, something that was never going to touch our, our communities and our neighborhoods and our churches and our families. And then all of a sudden, there came this moment where all of a sudden, there seemed to be all this confusion. It was like, what, what is, what's up is what's down, what's true, what's false, what's Why right, what's wrong. Everyone buying toilet paper. Why are the shelves empty? What is going on? It just felt like this surreal alternate universe that we were living in for a little while. And I think we probably all went through at a different stage, a point of uh, not believing or thinking like, oh, this isn't really a big deal or this isn't really going to touch us. And then it started going from that to feeling 
whoa, this is scary. Like, what is going on? Here? Yeah. And I mean, I, I totally, I had a moment about a week ago on a Wednesday where we had, uh, we had, where she was getting ready to put Beckett down. And all of a sudden I was walking around our house just like a maniac. I was pacing back and forth. And ladies, if you live with a guy, maybe he did the same mm-hmm. thing where I was pacing back and forth. And I just had this like, something was stirring in me and I can only describe it. Finally, Amy looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? You're pacing around the house. And I said, I can't explain it. I just have this primal urge as a husband and as a father to protect my family and provide for my family. And I don't know how to do that other than going to Costco. And so <laughs> the solution to all, he kind of looked like beast in uh, beauty and the beast. You know, when beast is just like pacing the castle back and forth and back and forth. It really was like that in a lot of ways where it was just like, there was something that could not be contained inside of him. And so anyways, I went, I went to Costco, but I think kind of getting back for a second that there was this confusion, right? Uh, all over the country, right? You were feeling this level of confusion and pretty soon after there was the confusion kind of left, then Amy and I went through this process that probably you went through where there was fear and there was some panic and there was some anxiety because like I said, every time we turned on the news, there was a new piece of information that was coming out and we were asking ourselves the question like, what does this mean for our health? What does this mean for our daughter? What does this mean for our business? What does this mean for our future? What does this mean for fellow business owners? What does this mean for people everywhere? There's just nothing like this has ever happened before. Yeah. And I think the first thing that we wanted to talk with you about today is that we have gone through the same the same steps of grief that probably you have gone through or that you're going through. And we finally came to this place as we were processing and processing and processing. And again, that's why we wanted to wait until we felt like we had processed through a lot of this stuff before we got on and got the microphone out and and talked to you guys directly. But I think for us, we had those feelings of fear and anxiety. And I think for me, especially um, as, as a husband and as a father, I was finally able to put a name to my emotions a couple of days ago. And it took Amy and I going on walks and talking for me to finally say, you know what, like I'm past the shock and I'm past the confusion mostly. And I even think I might be past the fear and the anxiety, but the way that I'm feeling right now is I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling angry because blank. I'm feeling scared because blank. I'm feeling grief because blank. And that process of us talking through a lot of those emotions um, and being able to put a name to them is the thing that we feel like has helped us kind of move past those things to be in a really positive and a really healthy place. And so the first thing that we wanted to encourage you today is that you have a, if you have a spouse or a parent or a family member or a friend that you feel really close with. Now, there has never been a better time in the midst of so much fear and panic, and we're all feeling the same things, and we're all going through the same things. And that's kind of the dirty little secret is that you might look around on social media or look around in your neighborhood and think, man, am I the only one who's scared right now? Am I the only one who's panicking right now? And the answer is no, we're all in the same boat. We're all in this together. And I think for me, especially, and I think for Amy, being able to put a name to those emotions and express why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling is really healthy because until we identify it, it's really hard to move on from it. Yeah. It's so, Oh my gosh, it's so true. And I think like it, it's like, (laughs) we can only speak from what's happening right now. It's like right now in this moment, we feel like we're processing it pretty well, but I would say over the last couple of weeks, we've gone through waves where we felt anxious and panic and fear. And then you know what? It passed. We worked through it. It felt good. We were optimistic, hopeful, grateful. And then another wave came. And so if you're feeling like that too, like that's exactly where we're at. And so like so much of this is like where Amy and Jordan are talking to ourselves right now of like, okay, like every time these new waves of anxiety or fear or panic come in, we try to remember something that my mom taught us a long time ago, something that we've really uh, taken to heart, which is this idea that We're not responsible for our first thought, but we are responsible for our second thought. And so we've been trying to challenge each other on that because I think it's pretty normal to like hear the stories in the news and react with panic or fear um, because I mean, I hope it's normal because that's how I've been feeling. And we both, Amy and I both go to different places under pressure and under Mm -hmm. stress. And Amy tends to go to a glass half full place. She tends to go to a more optimistic place, a happier place. I tend to go the opposite way. And I tend to go the pessimistic route and the paranoid route. That's sweet of Jordan to paint me that way, but I think, or to view me that way. But I think like 
honestly, I go to fear. And then I try to turn that fear into like a ha- a glass. Uh, how do you say that? Glass, glass half, full. half full kind of mentality and focus on being grateful and uh, gra- having gratitude for what we have. Yeah. And something we've been talking about a lot is that there are so many things in the world that we cannot control right now. There are so many things we cannot control. But one thing we can control is the controllables. And we'll in a second, we'll talk about the things that we feel like are within our grasp and within our control right now. But before we do that, what I want to do is kind of take take a 30,000 foot perspective for a second and really pull far back. Because I think one of the things that I'm hearing from social media right now, from the news and the media right now, is I'm hearing one of two things. And I don't think either are 100% true. I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. And on, on one hand, it's really easy in these moments to sit and sulk in the real suffering and pain that we're, that, that we're feeling as individuals, the, the feelings of anxiety, the feelings of panic, we're feeling scared, we're looking out into the future and it feels uncertain and it feels unknown. And that's kind of one camp. And then the other camp is you have people who are out there saying, well, it could be a lot worse. Like, well, look at what our parents, our great grandparents survived in the wars and in the depression. It'll be okay because it was okay for them. And I really think that the answer lies somewhere in the middle. And something Amy and I have been talking about for years and has never been more true now is that we have to have a a two-step process. Step one is we have to acknowledge the real pain that we're feeling. We have to acknowledge the real fear that we're feeling. We have to acknowledge the real anxiety that we're feeling. We have to be able to talk about it with our spouse or with somebody that we, we love and trust and share with them, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm angry and here's why. This hurts and here's why. I'm scared and here's why. And we have to be able to put a name to those emotions and acknowledge that our pain is real. At the same time, we have to be able to pull back from a 30,000 foot perspective. And we have to be able to, to see that even in the midst of some of the hardest economic times, and so much is still unknown, but so much, some of the hardest times in our lives, we're all about to experience in the coming weeks, in the coming months, and possibly in the coming years, nobody knows. At the same time, to see that we are still so richly blessed. My dad's done a lot of missionary work over in Africa. And one of the things that he says every time he comes back from the mission field is he says, Jordy, that's his nickname for me. (laughs) He says, Jordy, it's amazing to see people in Africa who literally have nothing. They literally rely on somebody to provide them their daily bread, their daily food, their water, their bare necessities. And at the same time, they are still so grateful and they are so hopeful and they are so optimistic. And Amy and I have been talking a lot recently about conversations that we had with both of our grandparents about the depression era. And one of the things that we want to encourage you to do today, and again, this is not a sermon for you. This is a sermon for us as much as it is for anyone, is that one of the things that we want to do is we want to pause for a second and recognize that we are in a historic moment. We don't know yet if the moment is going to be as historic as the Great Depression. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But when we think back to those those great moments in human history, and by great, I just mean serious and grave, World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, these kind of huge, serious moments in world history, what we want to make sure that we do right now as a husband and a wife, as a mom and a dad, as a son and a daughter, as friends and neighbors and members of a larger social fabric and a, and a country is we want to live right now the story that we want to tell our kids and grandkids one day. And I think it's so easy if we get too caught up in the immediate pain and suffering and the feelings of fear and anxiety that we're feeling, it's hard to pause and think to ourselves 25 years from now or 50 years from now, when one of our grandchildren is sitting on our lap and they ask us like grandma and grandpa, what was the coronavirus scare actually like? Tell me some stories about that because we would ask our grandparents or great grandparents, tell us stories about World War I, tell us stories about the depression, tell us stories about World War II. And what I want to do is make sure that we are living the story that we want to tell one day. I want to make sure that Amy and I and everyone listening right now, that we're all individually living the story that we want to tell one day. And what I really, really hope 25 years from now or 50 years from now, when that grandchild is sitting on one of our laps and they say, how did you react when the coronavirus pandemic hit? How did you respond when the coronavirus pandemic hit? What I hope is that Amy and I can look at our grandchild in the eye and say, we felt scared. We had fear. There was panic. There was anxiety. 
And we made a decision amidst the fear and the panic and, and how scared we were. We made a decision to make the most of every minute that we were given. And what I don't want all of us to do is to miss the opportunity because we're scared to go help that neighbor in need or to deliver groceries for the elderly person. We want to be able to tell our grandkids, you know what we did when things got really hard? We saw the world through the eyes of our two-year-old son again. We had pillow fights and we made forts and we had epic games of hide and seek. And we went in the yard and sprayed each other with the hose. And we did everything we could during that time to find peace and joy and happiness and to be calm amidst the huge storm that was around us. Because I think we hear a lot right now from people from people on social media and we hear a lot right now from, from people who are small business leaders and it seems like the message that we're hearing over and over again is here's here's what you need to do right now for your small business like you need to update your website you need to you need to you know update your contracts you need to do this you need to do that and i think that stuff is all good and well amy and i believe people who are listening right now who have small businesses and you're suffering and it's hurting and you're scared because you don't know what's going to happen you absolutely have to do everything that you can to save your business and do everything you can to work on your business to put it in a, in a position so that months from now, you can weather this current storm. But at the end of the day, we've got to go back to what are the foundational things? What are the first things first? And putting first things first looks like taking care of the four walls of your home, right? Taking care of your utilities, taking care of food, taking care of those basic, basic things. And for us, that looks like making sure that before we do anything else, that our house is in order and make sure that our marriage is in a good place, making sure that we're pouring into our children the way we should be pouring into them. I've been hearing so much right now on CNBC and Fox Business. People are saying things like, there has never been a better time to invest into the stock market. Stock prices are at an all-time low. If you have cash, now's the time to get in. The reality is most people don't have cash right now because most people don't know how they're going to get to the end of the month, right? And I think for us, amidst hearing people talk about things like, there's never been a better time to invest into the market, Amy and I have been asking ourselves, has there ever been a better time to invest in our marriage? Has there ever been a better time to invest in our kids? We have a five-week-old baby and we've been so caught up for periods of time in turning on the news and turning off the news that we've forgotten to talk to our daughter the way that we talked to our son when he was five weeks old, that we've forgotten to read to our daughter every day the way that we read to our son when he was five weeks old. And if I can just be really honest and really transparent with you for a minute, because I don't believe that we're in a season right now where uh, where we can do anything else. This is a time to level with each other because we're all hurting and going through the same thing. In so many ways, I have been grasping for scraps of hope. Maybe like you have over the last couple of weeks, I've been watching the news. I'm a political junkie and a news junkie anyways. And I've been, I've been turning on the news and turning off the news and checking and checking the news online because I feel like I've been grasping for scraps of hope, scraps of hope that maybe there's going to be a pill that slows this thing down, or maybe there's going to be a vaccine that's going to stop this thing in its tracks or grasping for scrap, scraps of hope that maybe the stock market rebounded today or grasping for a scrap of hope that maybe the government finally has a solution that's going to fix all of our problems. And the reality is that in so many ways, even though I know better, I've been looking for hope in all the wrong places. And the reality is that my hope isn't in the stock market and my hope isn't in government and my hope isn't in my business. My hope isn't in anything other than the hope that I have in God and knowing that I don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And there should be so much comfort and so much peace and knowing that we don't have to have the right answers right now. We don't have to know what is the silver bullet that's going to save my business? What's the silver bullet that's going to do this or that? I was reminded recently of something my mom told me when I was a little kid. She used to tell me all the time when I was sad, Jordan, things always look better in the morning. And gosh, that's so true. So many days, so many nights, as the nights get go longer and longer and longer, Amy and I are feeling more tired and more tired and more tired. And we feel in some ways more anxious and more anxious. And then the sun comes up the next day. But she told me when I was little, Jordan, you work as if everything depends on you and you pray as if everything depends on God. And the craziest part about this season of our life is Amy and I have done things in this season of life that we've never really done before or we haven't done in a long time. The other night, we were in such a, a place of fear and of anxiety and of just like our, we, our feet just didn't feel planted to the ground and it felt like there was an earthquake happening under us. And maybe you feel the same way too. And Amy and I made the decision to get down on our knees. And for the first time in a long, long time, we prayed out loud together. And we got on our knees and we prayed out loud together. And it was one of the most 
healthy therapeutic things that we ever could have that we ever could have done because it allowed us to put again a name to that fear and to that anxiety but also to release that fear and that anxiety and let me tell you something guys when you get down on your knees if you're somebody who's a who's a believer or a person of faith maybe you've experienced this before if you're not a person of faith there's maybe be- never been a better time uh, to think about getting down on your knees with your spouse or by yourself and looking up to the heavens and thanking God for everything that he has given us. Because sometimes we can get so focused on everything that we've lost or everything we might lose that we stop and we, that we don't stop long enough to be thankful for every single thing that we have. And so when Amy, and I did that the other night, it felt so good and felt like such a relief. But here's the thing. The, uh, then there was another night where we just sat and ate a big bowl of ice cream. <laughs> And that's the reality, right? Is there's this kind of swing of emotions that we wish we could tell you that we were these perfect people who had this perfect plan and had this perfect faith, uh, but we're not. <laughs> it's just not true. And I think like when we're thinking about um, business owners specifically, because you know we're business owners and we do a lot of coaching and teaching of other business owners, and we're in a place that everybody is scared about what's going to happen next, right? And so the some of the best advice from leaders has been, hey, this is a great time to work on your business, which we think is great advice, right? Like if you have time to work on your business, this is a great time to do it. But the reality for a lot of us is this is a time when we might have less time to work on our business than maybe ever before because the schools are shut down and your kids can't go to daycare and they can't go to activities and they can't go anywhere, right? So specifically for parents and working parents, this might be one of the most stressful times you've ever endured. I know for us, like balancing our two-year-old and our newborn, um, by the time we make it to bedtime after a quarantine day, meaning, you know, Bex can't see grandma and he can't go to the park and he can't play with the boys across the street. And there's so many things that he can't do now. So we're on like a really sunny, sunny, I was going to say sunny side note, (laughs) but what I meant was on a funny side note, um, because Bex normally goes to the park a couple times every single day, every single day he's been asking us, go to park, maybe go to park today. <laughs> go to and park, maybe? We realized that we needed a, an answer for him because we couldn't just keep saying no because we would say no, he would get upset. <laughs> and so we started telling him, buddy, we're so sorry we can't go to the park today because everyone at the park is sick. <laughs> and so instead, we're going to take walks, okay? And he was like, okay. And after a couple days of telling him everyone at the park is sick. Instead of asking us to go to the park, he would just say, can't go to park. Everyone at park sick. And we were like, that's right, buddy. But here is this clever little two-year-old boy. <laughs> we were out for a walk the other night as we were walking past our house to the, at the park where we normally play. There was nobody at the park. So Beckett very, very weaselly, let's say, <laughs> and sneakily said, mama, dada, go to park. Nobody at park, go to park. And we said, Oh, we're so sorry, buddy. The park is actually sick and we can't go to the park because we might get sick too. And so now he's going around the house telling the, you know, telling us can't go to park. People sick at park, park sick. The park is sick. And that's the best way we can figure out how to explain coronavirus to a two year old. The park (laughs) is sick, buddy. And I think, you know, we realized that this has been a really exhausting time for us that we're like, you know, we're coming up with the creative things to do with him as much as we can. And we're going outside as much as we can and picnics and Play-Doh and dropping ping pong balls down the staircase and picking them up one at a time and, you know, coming up with anything we can, dancing around the kitchen, reading books on the couch, reading books on the bed, reading books outside, reading books, you know, anything we can do to make it uh, a novel for him. And so by the time we get to his bedtime, we are exhausted. And then you take a night like last night where it was 730 and we finally got back into bed. And then our sweet five-week-old, because she's been through so much in the last two weeks, just decided to cry from 7.30 to 9. And no amount of milk would fix it. And nothing, you know, nothing would fix it, right? And so um, anyways, that's kind of the season of life that we're in. And so if you're in a season of life where you're able to work on your business right now, that's a great time to do things that you might not have time for later in the year. Um, but we were, you know, last night, like by the time it's nine o'clock at night, we don't have any capacity left to work on our business. We're like, it's not the time we're going to be updating our website. Like I said to Amy the other night, I almost don't feel like I have the energy for chill. And you guys know me. Oh you know me. Oh, Incidentally, are really fun. I feel like we have to find some oh, humor in this season. And so yeah. and there, you have, we have to find ways to laugh even in the tough times. Oh, is that though. I saw the other day that Dr. Oz, America's doctor, you know, recommended oh, for, for couples who are quarantined Here that Netflix and chill is actually a really important thing uh, for 
stress and for there are physiological benefits, right? Oh boy. And I looked at Amy and I said, God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? That <laughs> the one time in probably our entire life that we are going to be quarantined together and America's <laughs> doctor is prescribing chill, we are living in a postpartum world. But seriously, at the end of these quarantine days, I think for us, like more than ever, we're exhausted and we've heard more messages than maybe ever before from people being like, hey, this is a great time for you to work on your business. Um, This is a great time to update your website or your portfolio or look at your contracts or, you know, a lot of really good suggestions and they are good suggestions. And if you're in a season of your life where you're finding yourself with extra time right now, all the more power to you. We support you. We love the idea of working on your business and growing your business. But I think the reality for us in quarantine season is we have less time to work on our business than ever before. And knowing that the schools are shut down, most families are taking care of their kids full time with no support right now, right? There's no school, there's no daycare, there's no after school activities, there's no break from being a parent where you actually have time to work on your business that that can feel defeating and discouraging and almost like you want to rip your hair out and be like, I don't have the capacity to update my portfolio or build my website because I'm just trying to make it to bedtime. And by the time I make it to my kid's bedtime, I'm exhausted and don't have anything left to give to my business. If you're in that position, we just want you to know you're not alone. That's how we feel right now, if we're being completely honest. like We love working on our business, but right now during our quarantine season, we're just trying to give ourselves as much grace as humanly possible and recognizing in our life priorities, our most important job right now is being parents. And if we don't have the energy at nine o'clock at night to be working on a business project, that's okay. Like we need to be able to rest so that the next day we can get up and give our energy to our kids again. And that this isn't going to last forever, right? And if we do find those little pockets of time, whether it's, you know, waking up early before the kids or it's, you know, you have a magical bedtime and they all go to bed at the right time and you feel like you have the energy, then by all means, we think it's a great idea to have a list of priorities of the things you want to knock out. But maybe instead of working on something for your business, like updating your website, maybe it's simply looking at your budget or reevaluating your household expenses or ordering a copy of the total money makeover and diving into that, right? Like getting our households in order first and recognizing that if our foundation is solid first, then we can work on our business. Um, And realizing this might be a time for some people in certain seasons, because Jordan and I had a really long season where we didn't have kids. And I think if we we think back to like, if we were quarantined without kids, we would be able to do all of those things. And it would be a really exciting time to grow for the future. But that's not the season that we're in right now. And that's okay. Um, and giving ourselves grace in that and understanding, you know what, like, we want to be the best parents that we can be right now. And this is a tough situation and something that like nobody has really ever navigated before where we're all completely isolated from each other and we're exhausted at the end of the day. So let's give ourselves some grace and see what happens tomorrow. And that's really the way that we've been living is one day at a time. Something that we've been talking about a lot recently is that when I was talking about Amy and I kind of going through that season of like feeling sad or like upset or angry about maybe what's been lost or what's happened or what the future holds. One thing I want to encourage you to do, because this is a process we had to work through, is I don't want you to play Monday morning quarterback. What I don't want you to do, there's a tendency when something really bad like this happens. And guys, nobody saw this thing coming, right? Nobody saw this thing coming. If you had a month ago turned on the news, the stock market's at an all-time high, unemployment's never been better, the economy is booming, the fundamentals of the economy are strong. I mean, you would have, I mean, we were living in what we thought was going to be an amazing 2020. And a friend of ours posted recently on Instagram, something I thought was so funny. She said, go home 2020, you're drunk. (laughs) And I thought that was funny. But something that we have had to do is not play Monday morning quarterback with yourself. Because what tends to happen in times like this is you tend to go back and replay the last month or two months or six months or, or one year in your mind. And you will think the same things that we thought, which are things like, I 
if we hadn't had, I was going to say shoot, sorry. If we <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. If we hadn't, if we hadn't spent X, Y, and Z on Christmas gifts this year, we would have a lot more cash right now to weather the storm. If we hadn't gone on that trip last month, we would have a lot more cash right now to weather the storm. If I hadn't bought that thing for my business six months ago, I'd have a lot more cash right now to weather the storm. And what I don't want you to do, because I'm, t- I'm saying this for me too and for Amy too, I don't want us to go back and play Monday morning quarterback. We all made the best decisions we could with the information that we had. And all we can do from here is move forward. And so what I don't want you to do is beat yourself up. This is your freedom and your release from beating yourself up and looking in the rearview mirror and playing Monday morning quarterback and wishing you had made different decisions one month ago or two months ago or one year ago or two years ago, because there's nothing that we can do. Hakuna Matata, right? There's nothing we can do to go back. And I, I said that because we've been watching Lion King videos of that in full <laughs> transparency, but you can't go back and you can't, you can't change the past. It's not something any of us have the ability to do. So the real question is, what can we do right now with the time that we do have. And something that Amy and I have found that's been so helpful and so therapeutic is we have found ourselves acting differently, almost subconsciously acting differently as a result of this crisis and as a result of this virus. And if there are good things that can come from this, and I do believe there will be great things that come from this because um, you know, with every, with every huge setback, right? There's always something, there's, there's always a comeback, right? With every big setback, there's always a big comeback. And hopefully through this time, for us, for you, for everyone, we'll, we'll live life differently maybe than we did before. Because when things are going well and we're all living in a season of abundance, and make no mistake, guys, no matter where you are in America today, we have all been living in abundance. Because when you compare even, even uh, anybody in this country to the way that people live in the third world... The fact that we have a, a roof over our head and three square meals on our dinner table. And an ability to listen to podcasts, yeah, right? <laughs> that automatically puts us in a totally different category. But I think because we've all been living in so much abundance for so long, because we live in the greatest country in the world, in the wealthiest time in human history, right? It's been so easy to take those things for granted. And we've noticed really an interesting change in behavior for us that where we used to just grab a bunch of, to- uh, of uh, paper towels off the paper towel rack. Now we're grabbing like one and maybe reusing it if we can. And where we used to maybe just like throw scraps out after dinner, we've been making sure to like save those and put them in Tupperware. And we've been using less toilet paper. Maybe you have, right? I think there are a lot of things in our life where there's been abundance. I've noticed every time I go to wash my hands, I used to do one full pump down and it was, and it was way too much soap. And now I'm using a little, like, you know, half a dime's worth and it's plenty. And so I think that when we talk about silver linings and we talk about like what are good things that could come from this, I definitely think one good thing that could come from this is I think we'll emerge from this as individuals and as a country, maybe more humble and more grateful than we ever have before. Part of me, if I'm being totally honest with you, can I be honest with you for a minute? Um, I think it's really important. Part of me has been beating myself up uh, over the last uh, couple of days because all of a sudden when you get into a financial crisis where every penny becomes crucial, you start to look around at all the things that you've purchased in the last month or the last year. And you say to yourself, oh my gosh, if I hadn't bought blank, we could survive for another week. Or if I hadn't bought blank, that would have bought us a couple of days. And if I'm being honest with you, there was a part of me a few days ago that was walking around our house, just looking at things that we own, things like a drape or a couch or a chair or a camera or a computer, or the microphone that we're talking into right now. And I would shake my head and say, I didn't need this. I don't need this. And I think what's really interesting about going through that process, uh, at least for me anyways, and I told Amy, um, and this is really getting personal with you guys right now, because this was a private conversation that Amy and I had, but I really feel like there's never been a better time to be transparent and vulnerable with people. And if we can't be transparent and vulnerable with you, how can we expect you to be transparent and vulnerable with the people you love? And there's something really freeing about being transparent and vulnerable. And I looked at Amy a a couple of days ago after I kind of thought I had processed through most, most of my feelings. And maybe you feel this way too. And I said to Amy, I said, I feel so, so angry. And she said, why do you feel angry? And I said, because I feel like I let down my dad. I feel like I let my dad down. She was like, what do you mean you let your dad down? And I said, my dad, my heavenly father, God, 
I feel like I let God down. And she was like, why do you feel like you let God down? And I said, because I look around at all the, the, the blessings that he's given us over, over the course of our 10 years of marriage. And I'm looking around at all the things that we own, the clothes that we own and the furniture that we own and the material possessions that we own. And if we hadn't spent money on those things, we would have more money right now that we could use to help people who need help. And I feel like I let my dad down because I feel like I wasn't as prepared as I should have been for the storm. And maybe you feel exactly that way right now. And we talked through it a little bit. And Amy said, you didn't let anybody down. She said, we've been living by a plan for the last years where we, we invest a certain percent and we tie the certain percent and we give above our tithe a certain percent and we live on a certain percent and we save college a certain percent and we live by a plan and we live by percentages. And that is not, you did not let your dad down. You did not let God down. And so one of the things I want to say specifically right now, if there's a, if there's a guy listening, if there's a dude listening, um, if there's a husband or a father listening, um, what I want to say to you specifically, and this applies to the, to the moms and the wives certainly as well, is I want to tell you right now, don't Monday morning quarterback it because you didn't let dad down, right? You didn't let God down. What the best thing, when I think about my son, when I think about Beckett, even in the time where Beckett makes mistakes, even in the time when Beckett does something that is wrong or doesn't do something as well as he could, my posture toward Beckett is never to condemn him or make him feel guilty about the things he's done. All I want to see from my son is what are you going to do now? What's the decision that you're going to make right now? And I believe God feels the same way about us. I don't think God is looking down on any of us right now, telling us that he wishes we had done X, Y, or Z differently. I think he's saying, I'm here now and I want to help you move forward in a positive direction. And so one thing I would really encourage everyone to do as you start doing more with less is to talk about the blessings that you've been given. Amy and I have never prayed over a warm meal the way that, and and I don't want to sound doomsday or dire, like we are not living in squalor, okay? Uh, I don't think most people are, are living in squalor. We all still have four walls around our home, a roof over our head, clothes on our back and food on our table. And I think all of us are in different financial situations and positions and hopefully have emergency funds and reserves that will last us a certain amount of time. But I do think it's a good time for pause and reflection to be grateful for all the things that we have been given and all the blessings that we have been given. And instead of going around the house and touching things in my house and wishing I didn't have it, I've been instead going around and touching things and just pausing and thanking God that he provided it. And then also trusting that if he provided, that he can provide again. And as we've been focusing on what we're grateful for and the blessings that we already have right in front of us, we've felt so much more peace. And honestly, it's been refreshing in so many ways to have all this time at home, specifically with our kids and specifically with Bex, who's two right now. And honestly, I think coronavirus for Beckett is probably one of his favorite things that has ever happened, right? He doesn't understand the heaviness and the weight of what's happening in the world. So for him, it's just been like so fun playing with mom and dad. And we're coming up with creative things to do with him all the time, right? So we're, um, I, I can't honestly remember the last time that I went into anywhere, the backyard outside in the grass. And this is something that we did this week with Bex is I just laid down on a blanket in the grass in our own backyard. And we looked up at the clouds and we just laid there flat on our back and we pointed out clouds. And he said he wanted to reach up and touch them with a ladder. And I told him he needed a really big ladder, right? And we started looking at the birds and the planes and pointing out how many planes we could count in the sky. And as I was laying there on my back, looking up at the sky, I was thinking, gosh, it feels really good to just look up at the clouds. Like when is the last time we've done that? And I think that's been the beauty of this season is, you know, there's been so many hard parts, but there's also been so much beauty and really slowing down and we found the more we turn off our devices, turn off the media, turn off the noise, because like Jordan was saying, I think so many of us want to open our devices and open up the next news story, whether it's on our phone or computer or TV. We want to turn that on because we're searching for good news. We're searching for hope. And we know our hope doesn't come there. And every time we do that, we end up feeling more drained, more stressed, 
more anxious. And every time we just turn that stuff off and turn our eyes to our little blessings in front of us and be present in the moment, oh my gosh, we feel so much better. Like our hearts feel full. It's a, it's a beautiful time to be able to lay in the grass and look up at the clouds. It's a beautiful time to have picnics outside. And when we say picnics outside, it's like we carry out the the chicken and hummus from the kitchen and bring it outside on napkin, right? It's like nothing elaborate. Um, We've just been finding fun things to take into the bathtub with Bex. And we've been doing two baths a day because uh, bath time kills some time and he loves it, right? And we've been creating a baby shark out of Play-Doh and um, when I think about all the little fun activities we've come up with, whether it's like going fishing for fishes or, you know, just whatever, like make believe games we're playing with Bex that day, when we're just completely present in his world and view our world, like a two-year-old again, it is so therapeutic and has been such a blessing. And I would say Bex has probably never been happier, which is, I think, convicting for us because we've always, ever since we've become parents, we've really tried to strike the balance. And I think that word balance is like such a loaded word in itself, but we've tried to strike the balance of being really good parents, really good spouses, really good business owners. And it's tough and it's hard. And in a season where work is not our priority right now, um, and really can't be uh, like being, you know, weddings aren't happening right now. And uh, service based businesses, like nobody is getting their pictures taken right now, right? Nobody is gathering for weddings and events like this is a really different challenging time in so many ways. And so for us to have that pause and that time to really invest and fill up our kids love tank, um, has been such a gift. And we realized that this isn't going to last forever. Um, this is temporary. We don't know how long it's going to last, but eventually we do believe things will get better and pick up. And when it does, there's going to be all this like pent up economic activity that all of a sudden bursts. And all of a sudden the weddings are probably going to double, right? Because everyone that didn't get married in the spring is going to try to get married in the fall. And now we're going to be doing double headers. And maybe that means more time away from our kids in whatever industry you're in, right? We're all going to be picking up a lot of work as, as we start to get released back into the world. And so we want to look at this time as like a really precious gift with our kids, um, fill up their love tanks as much as possible. And honestly, for us, I feel like it's been a reset in a lot of ways that's opened our eyes to, whoa, when we do get back to work, maybe we can restructure our day to get even more quality time with Bex and Emily because we see how they respond when we just turn off everything, look them in the eye, get into their world. And that's really been one of the hidden blessings of this season for us. Yeah, I can remember Amy and I were in high school when 9-11 happened. And I can remember after 9-11. And it's so interesting, right? Just as a side note, because in so many ways, 9-11 felt and it was this huge, massive devastating moment in our country's history. But in some ways, the pain that was felt on 9-11 was the pain was felt by much a fewer number of people. The pain was specifically felt by people in New York and in Washington, D.C., families who were victims of the attack. The airline shut down for a few days. The stock market went down for a while. But the entire economy did not shut down. We didn't stop going to school. Right. We didn't stop going to work. And so this has just been such a kind of eerie, lonely, kind of isolating. It just like throws you completely off balance because nothing like this has ever happened. Before. And I remember the slogan during 9-11, they would start draping American flags off of buildings and the slogan became never again. That was kind of the mantra of 9-11. We will not forget and never again. And again, balancing that the pain that we're all experiencing at this moment, and the pain is real, you have to acknowledge your pain, you have to recognize that what you're going through hurts, and it's real, and it's scary, and it's uncertain. And none of us knows what the days ahead have, and what the next few weeks hold or the few months hold, like none of us has a crystal ball, and knows what's going to happen next. But one of the things that I think is so important is that we put a marker in the ground right here and right now. And we say never again, we will not forget. And what I mean by that is thinking about the things from the past years, the way that we all lived our life, the way we spent our time, the way we spent our money, the priorities that we had, the priorities that we didn't have, and asking ourselves the question, like, where where are we going to say never again? Because if we don't learn something, if Amy and I don't learn something from this crisis, if you don't learn something from this crisis, if we don't look at the last few years of our life and say, you know what, 
I'm going to be more judicious with my paper towels and my soap going forward because I know what it's like for there to be empty store shelves. Our generation had never experienced that before. And Amy and I have been asking ourselves a lot recently, what are things we're going to change right, about our life? Because we're all about to go through an economic hardship. We're going to go through a hard time. We're going to live differently in the next weeks and months than we've ever lived before. And I think the really the best thing we could do is look back at the last couple of years and say, what do we want to keep from that? And what do we want to throw out and never do again? And over the next couple of weeks, what do we want to keep from this? And what do we want to throw out and never do again? Because I can tell you that amidst so much turmoil, there have been so many silver linings, so many rainbows, so many blessings in our life over the last 10 days that we've been quarantined. We've had conversations with our parents and our brothers and sisters and our friends and family, and we had waited too long to talk to them. And sometimes it takes a crisis for us to all remember what's most important. Isn't that interesting that you hear all of a sudden when there's a crisis, you all of a sudden go back to the things that are the most important, the foundations, the the, the fundamentals. And so I think one of the biggest things that we could do is use this as an opportunity. There's never been a moment in the last, I can't even remember in our country's history where everybody was going through something so serious at the same time. And what I don't want Amy and, and, and I to do And what I don't want you to do is to miss that moment. And sometimes in moments of crisis like that, out of moments of crisis, there are great opportunities. And so what I want us all to do is ask ourselves, what is the opportunity that we can seize right now? Because we can't control the stock market. We can't control to a large extent, whether we're going to have business this week or next week or the month after. There are so many things that are outside of our control, but you know what is inside of our control? What's inside of our control is that conversation that we're going to have with our spouse that's been that's what we've been waiting to have for too long. The time we're going to spend with our kids that we hadn't spent enough time with them before. Maybe you're in a situation where you're estranged from somebody that you love. Maybe it's a parent or maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a brother or a sister or a friend. And you've been waiting for an opportunity to finally let bygones be bygones and reach out to that person and just start that conversation again and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I know that X, Y, or Z happened in the past, but I just felt like this was a moment that maybe we can move on from that and reconcile because all of us are so far apart right now, but really we don't have to be, right? The internet makes it possible for us to come together, even though we're physically separated. And I I remember my brother, my older brother, he's a really smart guy. And one time he said to me, you know, Jordan, there are a lot of people that can do my job but nobody can be a husband to my wife. Nobody can be a father to my kids. Nobody can be the oldest son to my parents, that there are these certain special specific roles that God has given us as individuals that nobody else can replace you. Somebody else can sell online photography courses. Somebody else can photograph weddings, but nobody can be a husband to Amy except for me. And nobody can be a parent, a father to Beckett and Emily, except for me. Nobody can be a son to Fran and Harry, except for me. And so I think it's time that we take this opportunity to step into the most important roles of our life, right? And to really lean into them and to breathe into them and to use this as a once in a lifetime opportunity to stop doing, to stop doing the things that are wrong and start doing the things that are right. And again, there's no Monday morning quarterbacking. That's not allowed. So you don't get to beat yourself up over what happened in the past because we don't want our kids to beat themselves over the decisions they made in the past. And we don't believe that. We think that parenting is a beautiful metaphor for the way that God loves his children here on earth. And I don't think that God wants us to beat ourselves up for our past and our decisions and our mistakes. I think what he wants us to do is the best we can do right now to weather this storm But really, the biggest mistake that we could make is two weeks from now or two months from now or two years from now, when this storm has passed and we're all out of this storm cloud, our pastor used to say all the time, you're either in three places in life. You're either in a storm, you're heading into a storm, or you just got out of a storm. And I think the worst thing that we could all do is be in one of the worst storms of our entire life and not learn things from it that cause us to change direction and change our life for the better. And maybe if you're listening right now, maybe for you, you're not a person of faith. And now is the first time in your life that you want to maybe explore what does that look like to have a relationship with God? I can tell you for, from, for me, I have felt in so many ways hopeless. 
and helpless over the past week, that here I am, I'm a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father, my family looks to me for leadership, but where do the leaders go for leadership? Where do the leaders go for calm? Where do the leaders go for comfort? If I'm being transparent with you, we haven't known what to say to you over the last week. But the more time that we spent in prayer and the more time we spent with God and the more time we spent at looking at what's eternal instead of what's temporary, the more time that we spent with our eyes focused up instead of our hands, you know, our head in our hands, that those have been the moments where we felt the most refreshed and the most alive and the most excited about what's to come. And one of the things I can tell you, whether you're a person of faith or not, is I don't think that anything that's happening right now is a surprise to God. I believe that God is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He knows what was, what is, and what is to come. And I really think that he is providing an opportunity for us right now to pause our lives, to press pause on the way that we've been living, to pause our life and to reevaluate and ask ourselves, what am I going to do tomorrow? that I didn't do yesterday? What am I going to do next week that I didn't do last week? What am I going to do next month that I didn't do last month? And I just think we're in a season where we have such an amazing, beautiful opportunity. There's this great moment, this great scene from the show, This Is Us, where there's a surgeon and uh, Jack, the father, had triplets and he lost one of his babies. But it just so happened that there was another woman who had a baby in the hospital at the same time and she couldn't keep it. And so even though he had lost one, he gained one, right? And the surgeon who delivered the babies was sitting there and he said, sometimes life gives you lemons. And the best thing that you can do is squeeze the heck out of them and make the best lemonade that you can. And I think that we're all in that season right now where we're asking you, there are so many unanswered questions. And I think one of the healthiest things we can do is say, I don't have the answers, but I don't have to have the answer because I know who has the answer. And so I think from us to you, Amy, and I just want you to know how much we love you, how much we care about you, how much we've been praying for each and every one of you every single day, that you would feel peace in this storm, that you would feel um, comforted, uh, that you would feel calm, and that you would be able to do what we've tried to do, which is handle the weight of these very adult responsibilities in one hand, and then also see the world through the eyes of of our two-year-old son on the other hand, and the beauty that he sees in such simple things. And I know for our family, we've just been praying that we would be different and we would be changed by this because if one of the most beautiful things about, about this world is that we have an opportunity for change and an opportunity for transformation. So now is not the time to Monday morning quarterback and wish you could have done something different, but maybe now is the time for change. Maybe now is the time for transformation. Maybe now is the time to reevaluate our life and your life and ask ourselves, what are the habits that I can put into place now that I want to carry with me forever because so many, so many things we've done in the past, we've got right. But clearly Amy and I are sitting here thinking there's also a lot that we got wrong and that we could do better. And I think that it's not to beat ourselves up, but it should be something that's exciting. And I have a smile on my face as I'm saying it right now, because I feel like we've been afforded this pause that no other generation has ever been afforded. We're in this moment where literally the world is on pause. And before we hit play again, Let's make sure that we've learned the lessons of the past and we've changed our life and we're moving in a new positive direction and that we leave a legacy for our kids and grandkids that when they look back, I want my kids and grandkids and great grandkids to tell stories about Grandpa Jordan and Grandma Amy. I want them to tell stories about the courage that their grandparents had under pressure. We're all in the middle of a crucible right now and we're feeling pressure like we've never felt before, but I want us to feel that and I want us to fight through it. And I want us to also not forget this longer term historical perspective is that one of the things I personally know that I would regret is looking back on this season of life a few years from now and realizing that I have been a scared coward and that I didn't rise to the occasion. I didn't step up and I didn't leave my my wife and leave my kids and leave my family and leave my team on my business and do the things that I needed to do because we will get through this. And so I just want to encourage, gosh, I want to encourage so much everyone who is listening right now, control the things that you can control, forgive yourself for things of the past, make good decisions with the moments and the minutes that you have today. Know that it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be up. It's going to be down. Some days will be easier. Some days will will be harder. But know that ultimately you will get through this. We will get through this. Our country, our world, we will get through this. Something we want to leave you with 
And this episode is a prayer that we've been praying. It's a prayer that people pray in 12-step programs. So if you're familiar with people who are in Alcoholics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous, something a, a prayer that they pray is something called a serenity prayer. And I think that whether you're a person of faith or not, this is something that's been really, really comforting for Amy and me. And so we just want to share to conclude this episode. We want to share this prayer with you and hope that uh, it brings comfort to you and maybe it's something that you can repeat to yourself in moments that are really hard. So this is called the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.